and welcome back to the Worshipful Company of Oddity Mangas. And we are still in Florence somehow and also in the northern part of Europe. We are still talking about the Hanse and all sorts of money and warmongering and all sorts of crazy mongering related stuff. I've got some more mongering here. Um, and we're also talking about the Medicis in Florence. Um, when we left the Medicis, they, we had uh, Pope John the... 13th, who was the pirate pope. I love I loved pirate pope. <laughs> pirate pope. Pirate pope. Doesn't. Sounds like a plot for a movie. <laughs> it does. Anyway, he may have been a bastard, but I, I, I kind of kind of charmed by him, as was um, Giovanni de Medici. Um, so after the uh, conference at uh, Constance, um, Pope Gregory XII resigned, Benedict XIII in, in um, Avignon resigned, and John XIII, he escaped, got captured, got ransomed by the uh, Medicis, he resigned, and the new pope that was put in, the single pope, is Martin V. So with the new pope, the Medicis fell from grace with the, the influence in the, the Curia, the Church of Rome, as their finances um, diminished, and a new family, the Spini. 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 Got, got, got the business. <laughs> uh, but all of a sudden, the Spini went bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And the Medici stepped in again, mm-hmm. fortified their Rome office. When was that? That is a good question. That would be... Could it be the like around 1320-ish? I think it's later than that. Okay. Maybe 13... Uh, oh, no, 14, 1420, the Spini went bankrupt. Ah, okay. Yeah. And the Medici... And the head of the Medici family is still Giovanni. And he has a son. I see. Named Cosimo. 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 What a lovely name. Cosimo. He was... Um, Sounds like a cat or like a comic book character. How about Co- like, Cosimo and the Pirate Pope? Yeah, or like a little Tamagotchi thingy. <laughs> got to collect them all. Yeah. <laughs> I choose you, Cosimo. Um, he helped his father. He was a very good banker, very smart. He helped his father build up the business in Rome. In fact, he... Um, Went down to Rome um, for about three years, became manager of the branch down there. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very well educated, had a deep respect for classical learning, classical ideas, and was a humanist. Ooh. Humanist, you might ask. Mm-hmm. What's that? <laughs> it's a philosophy that values human thinking and groups of humans, people acting together in society, critical They put emphasis on critical thinking and evidence rather than dogma. So they were like in the tradition of the uh, antique mm-hmm. philosophers? Yeah, they, they respected the antique mm-hmm. philosophers. Um, so a bit of friction there maybe with the church. Mm-hmm. Who, of course. Who I mean, just who would have thought? pimped dogma. <laughs> so as I said, he spent uh, a couple of years down in uh, Rome... As a, well, before we get to that, he, as a humanist, he, support, he had a lot of uh, friends 
in uh, Florence, mm-hmm. Nicolò Nicolai, who was a collector, just a comp- an aesthete who just va- who really appreciated quality writing and thinking and art, and he wanted to write something himself, but he never got around to writing anything because <laughs> he had writer's block. No, no, it wasn't that. It was everything he wrote wasn't perfect, ah, so okay. he yeah. didn't do it. Uh, Poggio Bracciolini, who was a um, he liked the ladies. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he was also a humanist. Uh, Leonardo Bruni was uh, he was religious, but also a humanist. Um, he was very eloquent and quite a quite impressive person, mm-hmm. apparently. And then a really smart guy called Ambrogio Travasari, who was trained in Latin and Greek. He could translate Latin and Greek and taught himself Hebrew. Okay. <laughs> So, a bunch of smart guys around Cosimo. A bunch of nerdy, geeky guys. Yeah, a bunch of geeks. <laughs> geeks. And, um, you know, Cosimo was, was pretty smart. He, um, mm-hmm. he hung out with these guys and he was smart. Uh, even after Martin, Pope Pius II said of him that he, he was more well-educated than most merchants. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... The, Even though he was clever and very knowledgeable, he preferred not to be in the limelight, so stay out of public eye. His uh, method of ruling was to just stand in the background, Mm -hmm. give advice, but don't don't force it on anyone. Don't be a target. No, exactly, don't Mm -hmm. be a target. And he married Contessina uh, of the um, Bardi family, and the Bardis were once rich. Uh, yes. Also a banking family. Yes. Uh, but then they fell on hard times because... Yes. I know, don't tell. Spoiler alert, I will tell why. Okay, why the Bardis <laughs> lost their money. Yeah. <laughs> so he married into the Bardi family, and he liked his wife, um, but he wasn't, and here's a new word that I found in English, axorious. Oh, axorious. What's that? It means being very devoted to your wife. Aha, axorious. U-X-O-R. Say it again in English. Axorious. Axorious. Maybe I will remember, maybe I won't. (laughs) (laughs) So when he was down in Rome as the manager of the Roman branch Mm -hmm. operations, he was there for three years, the staff gave him a slave girl. Of course. Yeah, to look after him. Madeline, her name was... uh, Border in Venice. Mm-hmm. After they checked, she was clean of diseases and a virgin. Mm-hmm. There were, uh, by the way, uh, around one hundred thousand. They called it unfree people uh, unfree living people. in Italy. <laughs> unfree, and they were from uh, nations they won wars against, and a lot of them were Muslims from North Africa, but also um, a big, ch- a big chunk of them were also like from Central Africa. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. We come to that later. We will come to that. The, um, <laughs> with his wife Contessina, he had two children, mm-hmm. Piero and Giovanni. Ooh. With his slave girl, he had a son mm-hmm. called Carlo. Of course, Calito. Calito, like my, like our cat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he raised. He he took. Carlo to Venice and he raised them with his other two boys. Mm-hmm. He eventually entered the church and did very well. He was mm-hmm. very well educated. 
they were not against those uh, sons, sons and daughters, or more of course sons they had out of um, wedlock or with their slave unfree servants mm -hmm. so they were not like uh, tr treated like garbage so no, it was no. a usual occurrence yeah but troubles brewing okay of course we are talking about the medici the medici is always trouble so there's a power struggle mm -hmm. there's another family banking family in florence called the albizzi mm -hmm. rinaldo degli albizzi as the head of this clan They want to consolidate. Well, earlier we went into how the uh, Senoria, all the how the Vote. elect voting voted voting. in like with like what do you call it? Scare quotes. Yes. <laughs> um, what they wanted to do is consolidate the oligopoly, oligarchy. Ol oligarchy, sorry, yeah. oligarchy. Another new word. Oligarchy. <laughs> It's ruled by a few. Yeah, it's like Russians. Yeah, yeah, well, they're ol uh, yeah oligarchs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they wanted to um, consolidate that by changing the laws. Mm -hmm. um, now, the, uh, Giovanni and uh, Cosmo were against this. Mm -hmm. They wanted to keep it as it were. And so they were seen as being enemies of the Albizzi. And... Um, During this time, Florence went to war with Lucca uh, city and also Milan. They lost both of the wars mm -hmm. because Milan and Lucca were allies and the Sforza family in Milan consolidated the help the, the Lucca. Yeah, Milan was a big deal back then. Yeah, the, the Sforzetsky. Sforza. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so they decided, uh, Cosimo decided that it's best that he leave town for a while. Mm hmm. And so he went back to Mugello, to the farm, and laid low there. And made wine. Made wine. Well, he still did banking, still travelled. Yeah. Then um, he got a call from the Signoria that there was an important meet, meeting, urgent business to discuss. He better come back. Mm -hmm. So first thing he does, moves as much money out of Florence as he can. <laughs> he moves it to the Naples branch, to the Rome branch, branch and bags of coins that he put with Benedictine hermits <laughs> in monasteries and Dominican friars. So just bags, just gets as much cash yeah. out of town as okay. possible. Yeah. And then he goes to Florence mm -hmm. to meet um, to meet with the Signoria. He's there for a couple of days, but they're saying that, that they're not going to meet for the next three days. So he hangs out there, does some more banking, probably moves some more money out. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and then he goes there and it is... This is this is 1433 now, and he goes there, and they lock him up, and then they put him in in prison, and they don't tell him what he's arrested for on good grounds that will soon be made clear. <laughs> we'll tell you later. Eventually, he's accused of uh, treason after two of his supporters are tortured on the rack. Oh, so they, they no. accuse him of treason, yeah. giving false evidence just because they were tortured. Yeah. However, he's a Medici. He has a lot of support. And while he's there, he manages to sneak messages out of the prison cell and yeah. bribe guards. Yeah. And, and he's actually makes comment one stage that the people he bribes, he's surprised how cheap they are to bribe. He said, I would have offered him 10 times if he just asked for it. <laughs> Anyway, they, they get the information out. They, again, he, he 
is controlling his business from inside there. And he, they have a lot of support. They have a lot of support with the, the common people. Um, they All of these friends that I mentioned earlier are quite influ- influential. But most importantly, he has a lot of international, well, foreign support from the banking customers. Mm-hmm. So you get Florence, uh, sorry, Florence, Venice, um, Naples, all these com- uh, these cities uh, send ambassadors to Florence to plead his case because the, the penalty for treason is execution. Mm-hmm. And so he's got a very real risk of being executed. But eventually they decided to be a huge mistake and you'd actually get an uprising in, in Florence if they did execute him. So they exiled him for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, they sent him to Padua. Um, he stays there a while. His brother is sent to um, Venice um, and his cousin was sent somewhere as well. So they basically got rid of the, the Medici family. But things don't go well for Ronaldo. <laughs> there's, a lot of, there's, some, uh, there's a lot of power movement within the, the Senoria. They, he loses the, their support and eventually is overthrown and Cosmo returns. But when he's back, he keeps a very low profile. Mm-hmm. But slowly, slowly over time, he starts, because the banking industry is going really well, he's donating a lot in public works. He's very, very popular. He basically comes king in everything but name. Mm-hmm. And um, he stays there. He pays a, a higher tax rate than everyone else. Mm-hmm. He does all that stuff. He's... Um, he, had this rep- reputation that Florentine historian Franche- Francesco Guadici, here's a good one, Guicciardini, Danini, Guicciardini, 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 said he had a reputation such as probably no private citizen has ever enjoyed from the fall of Rome to our present day. Ooh. So he was, he was that bomb. Um, He also supported the arts The most famous artist he supported was Donatello Mm -hmm. He commissioned a lot of work and really loved Donatello Uh, Donatello um, um, built or made the first freestanding naked man sculpture Since the uh, altar tomb, since uh, since the antique Yeah, but that was David Yes, but he, he was gay, yeah. and he did this in a very sensual way. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> but the, since, since the antique, what do you say of, in English for antique? Antique time. And, and, um, what do you say? Ancient times. Ancient. Well, you're talking about the Greeks and the Romans. Yeah, ancient times. Sounds like a, uh, not very, you know what I mean? Not very... Fucking old? No, it sounds like a... <laughs> Olden time, antique time. So it uh, sounds like a uh, classical times. Classical times. Time. So yeah. he made the first freestanding naked gay guy porn sculpture <laughs> since then. Since then, yes. okay, it was a big deal. Yeah, it was a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah Cosimo loved it, and he recommended um, Donatello to a lot of mm-hmm. noblemen to commission work. There's one story about this um, Genoese merchant who commissioned Donatello to do a, a bronze head and then Donatello delivered it and um, 
then the merchant wasn't happy with the price charge. He thought Donatello was charging too much money for this. And he, because Cosimo had recommended Donatello to this merchant, he, the merchant went to uh, Cosimo and said, look, you yeah. re- recommended this guy. You know, he's overcharging. This is ridiculous price. So Cosimo took this, uh, the, sculpture, the, the sculpture, the head up to the top of the Medici Palace so he could look at it in the sunlight to look at the quality mm-hmm. against the blue sky and just see exactly. And uh, and then uh, he said to the merchant, look, I think what you're paying is too little. This, <laughs> this, this, this needs to be double what, you're, yeah. what you want to pay. And the merchant said, no, look, he only took one month to do it. So at a daily rate, I'm only going to, you know, at half a florin a day, yeah. This is what it's got to be worth because of how long it took it to do it. Merchants. Yeah, and he's just trying to haggle. So mm-hmm. Donatello takes the, the sculpture mm-hmm. and throws it off <gasps> and it smashes on the ground. Oh, no. And then the merchant freaks out and then begs him to do another one at mm-hmm. double the price. <laughs> and Donatello refuses. Oh, he God. won't be insulted. He didn't, see, Donatello didn't care about money. Yeah. He had a basket of money in his room from yeah. all his commissions that yeah. anyone could help themselves to. He didn't <laughs> shit. Yeah. You know, tradesmen would come take money yeah. without asking, and that was yeah. fine. Anyway, Cosimo asked him to do another sculpture. He just refused and said, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there was another artist called Filippo Lippi. He was a friar. He, um, he was um, 20 years younger than Donatello. He was um, supported by Cosmo, did a lot of... Cosmo loved his, his painting. His story was that he was um, a son of a butcher and when he was a child, his um, father died and his mother was also dead, so he got sent to the Carmelite community of friars and mm-hmm. raised by the church. But... Um, he wasn't really a religious sort of guy. He um, was a liar, a drunkard, a lecher and a fraud. But his only redeeming features was he was a really good painter. And he probably looked nice. He probably looked nice. <laughs> the, the people, the, the friars at the, at, the, um, at the monastery were definitely relieved when he ran away, <laughs> abandoned his vows and was captured by Barbary pirates. <laughs> So the church was quite happy about that. (laughs) He escaped and went to Naples and then went to Florence and started uh, doing altarpieces and painting and got got the attention of Cosimo, who started Mm -hmm. giving him commissions, Um, even though he was a whoremonger. (laughs) He was a whoremonger and a scrounger. A worshipful company of whoremongers. <laughs> um, yeah, so he, he did some work for St. Stephen's and some, he did a portrait of Cosimo's son, Carlo. Remember Carlo? From, yes. From the slave girl. Um, he... <laughs> the, the next thing he does is he's doing an altarpiece for the nuns at St. Margarita in Prato. Mm-hmm. And he sees one of the young novice nuns there. And he convinces the nuns to let him have her as a model for the Madonna. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he knocks her up. Oh, <laughs> they freak out. They go back to Cosmo and Cosmo says, shit, what are we going to do? So Cosmo goes to the Pope and says, look, I know he's a priest, but can we get special dispensation for him to get married? Mm-hmm. It's time he settled down, stop doing this. So got married, but that didn't stop him. He, 
He used to go out and wander the streets of Florence looking for women. Then Cosimo locked him in his room. <laughs> said, look, got an agreement. It. Stop it. We've settled the price. I'm yeah. not letting you out of the room yeah. until you finish this work. Yeah. Got scissors, cut the bed sheets, climbed out the window. Oh <laughs> this is a priest. Yeah. And eventually Cosimo says, okay, he's an artist. I can't do anything about it. I'm yeah. always going to respect them. Mm-hmm. That's who he is. Uh, there was another priest, uh, uh, Father Angelico, who was actually very devout, and he did a not like like Filippo. Uh, he did Cosimo commissioned him to do the crucifixion painting, and he was a, it was a large piece. And every morning before he worked on the piece, he'd kneel down and pray to the crucifixion that he was working on, and tears came from oh his eyes. He was so devout. He was hardcore. <laughs> So, Cosmo's getting on now. It's 1455. Um, Son Piero, these two sons by Contesina, Piero and Giovanni. Piero's 40, but very, very frail. Mm -hmm. They never thought he would live, he would outlive his father. They thought he'd die first. (laughs) And the other son is Giovanni. Mm -hmm. He's 35, he's five years younger, who has a little boy. Called Cosimino. Cosimino. Little Cosimo. <laughs> and his grandfather absolutely adores him. Mm-hmm. But there's a story about him. There's some uh, ambassadors in from some other city and very, very important business work. And, and um, Cosimino comes in, he's six, he's, he's five, and says, I want you to make me a whistle, grandfather, mm-hmm. out of this wood. And so he stops the meeting, goes off and makes the whistle. Oh, no, oh, and he comes back and, they, yeah. and the ambassador goes, all due respect, we have really important business here and you run off to make a, a, whistle, a whistle for your grandson. <laughs> and Cosimo says, yeah, well, be lucky he didn't ask me to play it because I would have done that as well. <laughs> But little Cosimino dies, mm-hmm. age six. <gasps> oh, no. Breaks his grandfather's heart. Yes. Two years later, Giovanni, who was a fat bastard mm-hmm. and wouldn't die, has a heart attack and dies too. Mm-hmm. So that leaves sickly Piero to take over the business. And Cosimo dies, age 75, mm-hmm. in 1464, and Piero takes over the Medicis. Mm-hmm. So I might leave the Medicis there for a moment. All right. <clears throat> you want to go up to um, Lübeck? <laughs> I will go not to Lübeck, and we will come back to the Medici and continue this uh, very juicy story with even more Hollywood movie, even HBO show content. Okay. I cannot believe that there is not a show about this yet. I, I think there is, isn't there? Isn't is there? Isn't there a Medici? Oh, no. What, what's that one? That's the... What's Vikings or something. No, no, Romans. no. No, no. no, no what's the... Um, the Borgias. Genau. Yeah. But not the Medici. Yeah, okay. And there's so much... It might be. I'll have to look Interesting at stuff about yeah. that. Yeah. So we are going for a short while... We leave all of the murdering and whoremongering behind us for a moment. We are traveling to England. Ooh. Yes. Holiday. And we are back in a second.
so we are back and we are traveling for a short time, uh, for a short moment, a little bit back in time. And I will tell you two different stories about money and banking. Okay. And the first one is sounds like a tale out of a storybook. It's um, about a poor cobbler's son who ended up... Uh, a cobbler's son. A co cobbler's son. Make shoes. Make shoes. His father made shoes. Mm. Who ended up um, having the English crown... In his possession, <gasps> the real English crown, the wow. Krona Magna, the big, there is apparently a big and a small crown. Depending on your size of your head. Yes, and he had the Magna Corona in his possession. Wow. And how this came to be, I will tell you. So it's early 14th century. So um, 1327. Edward III, King of England, wanted to do had an idea let's do a tiny little bit uh, war against France the that's, king of France that's always fun will take not long no it will not take long and I need some kind of money for it the problem was though that um, he already had exceeded all of his other uh, uh, places he can he could he could get money from he maxed out his credit cards so first of all the english crown had so had so much debt with uh, jewish money lenders mm -hmm. that at uh, that in 1290 all of the jews were driven out of london and england because they owed them so much money and of course the crown never can pay no. so they what did they do they banned the jews Yeah, like a couple of times in history, but this was also one occasion of that. The second thing was that before that, the English crown, always after the Jews were outlawed, and the second place where you can uh, got any money was the Italian, mainly Florence, bank houses, mm -hmm. namely the Frescobaldi, the Bardi, the Bardi. and the Poruzzi. But they all have had lended money to the English king, mm -hmm. English crown. And what happened? They went bankrupt. They went bankrupt. Because <laughs> the crown didn't pay. Yes. They, uh, the, they, he owed 200,000 English pounds. And one pound is now roughly 800 euros to those Italian houses. And, mm -hmm. of course, they went bankrupt uh, over that. Um, <clears throat> so he said, okay, what can I do? And then... One guy steps on the stage. His name is Tiedemann Lemberg. And Tiedemann Lemberg is, is this Kabbalah's son. Okay. He comes from Dortmund. This is in uh, um, a, a region called uh, Westfalen, Westphalia in Germany, where also the famous ham comes from we talk, that we mm -hmm. talked about uh, when we talked about salt that the Romans loved so yep. much. And the general, um, so the general feeling in England, especially London at the time, is that London is a time, is a place where a lot of money lenders, bank houses, people that charge extremely amounts of money if, if they give you credit. It's called in German Wucherer. I don't know what the English word I is. I don't know. It's interest. The Zinsen. The Zinsen. The interest rate, but it's like, like, extremely high and if you don't pay they kill you or uh, break your leg first yeah usury usury so, usury ah, okay. is is extortionate money yeah, lending yeah yeah extortionate money so that was london was a place where yeah. it was like crowded with this mm -hmm. kind of vibe 
Um, and the Hanse, as you know, were known, Hanse merchants were known to be like, you know, German or, or um, Central European um, trustworthy people mm -hmm. that paid their bills on time, that delivered quality products, and they were very cautious with their money. So this Tiedemann steps on the stage and he is already working in the Londoner Hanse Kontorhof called Stahlhof. Okay. And so he's it's trading a wool. Yeah, it's a, it's a branch of one of the big contours of the Hanse, and he's trading in wool. So because uh, England, England's main export and also England's um, source of wealth mm -hmm. was uh, was the wool trading. Mm -hmm. So you need to imagine that the whole of Europe was dependent on that because all of the clothing, also mainly uh, the, the main the main ingredient for to make anything was English wool. So. Um, One, um, But they didn't make textiles, did they? No, no, no. It was they, raw wool. They exported the raw wool. Okay. Uh, mainly to uh, Brügge, that's mm -hmm. in Netherlands and Flandern. Mm -hmm. And Brügge was also a big Hanse station, and also the Medici had a big operation there. So this is where it all yeah. ties together. So it just, it just sounds like globalization today. It's, totally. it's amazing, amazing that it was third, early 1300s. Yeah, 1400s. Uh, 1400s. Yeah. And a massive international trade network and all these branch offices yeah. and managers of the branch office. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you just give them the internet, they <laughs> we'd be here. Crazy. So, for instance, um, so, the, so the, the king made money from wool yep. because he got 50% of the customs that was paid for for uh, the customs was 50% of the worth of a sack of wool mm -hmm. this was 3 pound 3 pound is the same amount of money uh, that 30 workers mm -hmm. made in a whole year oh so God. one sack of wool mm -hmm. the king got the wages of 30 workers wow for one year so this t tells you the you know the the big difference in you know in in in, in i don't know worth of yeah. stuff and uh, yeah and the, I don't know how you say the the levels of um, comparative value yeah so um, okay but this was still not enough the customs he got out of that he could not finance this little bit little tiny short war against the king of what, France what did he want out of the war land show who had the bigger dick probably no has pro had probably something to do with like religion or something yeah probably like you know or what they called religion The solution was Tiedemann said, mm -hmm, let's think about that. Maybe I can make money with that because he was very, very good in mathematics. <laughs> and he got together 13 other Hanse merchants mm -hmm. and they came up with the sum of 26,400 26, pounds. Okay. It does not sound like a lot, but it was a lot back then. And they gave it to the king, and in return, they uh, didn't have to pay so much customs for wool, mm -hmm. and they also had like a certain amount of, as a, to be exact, 3,458 sacks of wool they could like ship out without paying any customs. Okay. The king took the money, started his war. It developed into the now-called Hundred-Year War. So originally, it was called Operation Speedy Resolution. Like like a week. Yeah. <laughs> and then it became this huge thing. Yeah. And, of course, he continuously needed money. There were no more Jews, no more Italian bank houses. There only were the Hanse merchants and Tiedemann Lemberg left to give him anything. So... 
Tiedemann uh, used used this 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 position of power mm -hmm. to uh, control the whole wool trade out of England. Wow. He made shitloads of money yeah. with that. And then <clears throat> what he also did, he convinced the bishop of Balduin from Trier mm -hmm. to give the king 50,000 gold gulden. Mm -hmm. And the king had to pay it back at a certain date. Mm -hmm. The king could not pay it back. Then what uh, Tiedemann did, he got the uh, different handel merchants to pay back the bishop. Mm -hmm. So they bought the debt. They bought the debt. And because the currency exchange rate was different between pound and gold, gulden, gold mm -hmm. ducats, mm -hmm. uh, he made 7% of currency, um, what do you say? Arbitrage. Yeah, so he made like, you know, he, yeah. he, 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 you know, he did what you do, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Currency, yeah. currency trading. Yes. And for, for this 50,000 gold uh, ducats or gold uh, gulden, the Bishop of Trier uh, originally got the, uh, the king's crown, mm -hmm. the Magna Corona as a safety deposit. Yeah, yeah. Could Collateral. Collateral coll damage? No. Just, just collateral. Just co yeah. It's collateral, and uh, this crown was, also the, the physical object was shipped to Trier. Okay. Stayed there, and then it got, uh, when the when the other merchants bought the debt from the bishop, mm -hmm. they got the crown, transported, transported it to Brügge. Mm-hmm. And it stayed there as well in some <laughs> contour storage house yeah. until the king finally paid his debt. <laughs> got his... Yes, got his crown back. Big thing. Of course, what then happened, the king paid his debt to get his crown. But on the uh, at the same time, Tiedemann, the merchant, uh, was outlawed and, um, you know, um, <laughs> got kicked, out. kicked out of the country and his his reputation was ruined. And, yeah, but he um, was rich as fuck. He was rich as fuck. And he, then he lived a very low profile life yeah. back, in, back in Germany. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He'd make, make a shitload of money and then yeah. just retire. Yeah. But it was very unusual for this time that like a like a like such a low-born person mm -hmm. could become such a... Well, you just need to be clever. It's like yes. all these currency traders in London at the yeah. moment. You know, yeah. if you've got street smarts, they yeah. call them barrow boys, sort of. Yeah. You know, he said, oh, yeah, how's it going? Yeah. yeah. And just... Yeah. They um, end up being traders because they're, they're, they're aggressive, they're, they're mm -hmm. smart. You don't have to be well-educated. A lot of them are very well-educated, mm -hmm. but they're also got to have this certain balls to just go out yeah. and make these deals. Yeah, and this all without any telephone, internet, or even a, a, a calculator. So yeah. they had to do this all in their head. And also the difference um, so the um, was between Hanse or any money people and the Italians was that the Italians already used the double bookkeeping mm -hmm. and they also had like systems to um, calculate interest rates and all this all this stuff yeah. and uh, all of the other people did not have that so they had to like invent it every time new yeah, <laughs> yeah the Italians yeah. had the system yeah they invented accountancy yeah mm. so you think you read that or you hear that and think okay Maybe some people learn something from this. Um, first of all, lending money to some sort of kings or dukes or monarchs is maybe not that a good thing. <laughs> you would think that. Don't lend to governments. Don't lend to governments. <laughs> Don't lend to church, you know. Yeah. 
But of course, history repeats itself. Of course it does. No one ever learns anything. Now I will tell you about bank manager of the Medici. Okay. The name might sound familiar if you listened, if you uh, listened carefully to the first part of the podcast. I will talk about Tommaso Portinari. It's the same guy that that commissioned the painting that got stolen from the private private oh, yeah. merchant, you know, yeah, on yeah. the East Sea. Yep. Yep. And he tried for 20 years to get it back, and it's still in Danzig, in the museum. So this guy, <clears throat> we are now moving forward in time to around 1450. In 1450, um, the Medici, a successful banking uh, clan, um, and they have offices in Lyon, London, and Brügge, mm -hmm. where they are suc very successful in uh, banking and money lending and so on and so on. The good thing is that they had this like you could get you could go there, you could get your money. You don't have to tr transport sacks of you know heavyweight sacks of like physical money on your uh, journeys with you. So they um, were the shit because all of the other big banking houses went bankrupt mm -hmm. because they lent money to kings. Yes. Also, one very important part is for for having a smoothless a smooth running operation um, is that they all of the op operation managers uh, needed to be very loyal, very trustworthy mm -hmm. towards the Florentine-based operation. I guess that's why there were families doing it, because you could trust your family members. Yeah, like, otherwise you can, you know, you know, who, I know where you live. Yeah. I know where your <laughs> mother lives. <laughs> exactly. And the um, company was structured like a modern holding. Each uh, filial, each outpost was its own company and each each one involved in this outpost had to put also his own money in it mm -hmm. and they got percentage of the winning of the earnings uh, so it's like a franchise the, it's a franchise but uh, yeah but it's, it was organized like a modern business imp yep. imp imperium then Tomasio steps on the stage He is a son of a um, highly ranked Medici manager, so he is not actually Medici, mm -hmm. but he's a son of one of the people that worked there. And his father dies very young, and then Cosimo de Medici uh, takes him in okay. and raises him as a son. He sends him to work in Brügge and in, in, in the office. And he works there for 20 years as like a normal employee because apparently he did not show any special talents to, <laughs> to run the operation one day. But he is a very ehrgeizig, very driven. Mm -hmm. And he wants to like, you know, he wants to, he wants to get there, you yeah. know, one day. He's um, ambitious. He's ambitious. And how he does that, also then he wants to be the boss. How he does that is he like uh, slams and slams his boss in Brügge with rumors and bad-mouthing okay. and bullying probably yeah. so hard that the Medici uh, relieve his boss from his duty and he is the new manager. <laughs> so the rules are, in general, that um, the Medici bank um, only lends money to trustworthy merchants. And also they give only limited credit lines for any kind of rulers. <laughs> because they learn from the past. Yeah. So a king or a duke or whatever yeah. only gets a limited amount of money with very clear restrictions. They also not allowed to do uh, to take part in any um, uh, Glücksspiel. What do you call gambling? Uh, gambling. 
and they also not allowed to do a business business in their own name. Okay. A lot of those rules Tomasio did not follow. For instance, Tomasio invested the company money into this this into expeditions to Africa. Okay. To like you know. And this is like 1450-ish, 1460-ish. It's not like 18-something. So I don't know what they, I mean, I don't know what they, I cannot even imagine how that looked like if they did expeditions in 1460 to Africa. I I, I never heard of that, so um, that sounds totally cool. But he did not make any money from it. When did Columbus go? 1492 to America. To America. So there was the ships to sail around and explore and mm-hmm. try to find gold or spices, spices. <laughs> <laughs> diamonds Diamond, yeah and, yeah so he did that was totally forbidden did that lost money also the other thing is that he had a thing mm-hmm. for Karl den Kühnen oh Kühn is uh, meant like the do you have a translator thingy yeah Karl den Kühnen is yeah Kühn is a very cool German adjective. Uh, let's, let's see. Kühn is... It has a U. It has, even U. has a umlaut. Yeah, I love my umlaut. K- U. U. Umlaut. H. H. N. N. Wie Hühn, aber Kühn. Brave. The bold. The bold. Karl the bold or the brave. Yeah. But brave is mutig. Yeah, mutig. Yeah, as a more bold. Bold. Okay. So Karl the bold was the um, ruler of Flandern in mm. the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. And Tomasio idolized him. Although it was forbidden, he lent Karl 16,000 pounds in silver. <laughs> and you can imagine what happened. Carl, of course, could not pay it back. And when his bosses from the Medici Bank found out, they flipped out, they went ballistic. <laughs> Imagine Cosimo going, holy shit, yes. I've got to go to... Where was yeah. he based, Bruges? Yeah, Bruges. Yeah, I've got to go to Bruges. Yeah. Um, the problem was that with this big credit they got, gave to he gave to Carl the, the, the Bolt. What did he want to do with it? A war, probably. Um, and also with his Africa businesses. Mm-hmm. Almost all of the money was drained out of the Bruges office. office. So they were almost on the, on, in, on the brink of being uh, uh, bankrupt. <laughs> on top of that, they then discovered that all of the other managers of uh, Lyon and other, um, other offices... Did kind of a little bit the same, not in this, not in this scale, yeah. but everyone, like you know, <clears throat> was doing business behind the back. This meant that they had to close a lot of Medici filialen mm-hmm. at this branches. time. Branches, yes. So and and the whole bank. So this is was 14, facing, 1477. Yes, and um, as of fourteen eighty, they had to close the uh, the office in Brugge, and then. Um, at the same, a little bit later, 1494, um, the Medici family is facing a bad time back in Florence. They uh, uh, had to have to leave the city, and yep. uh, yeah, that was during is, that was during Lorenzo's. Yeah. yeah, and so they are almost bankrupt. They are almost, you know, wiped from the face of the earth because those guys did stuff 
Because it's in hard Africa. to find good managers, yes. isn't it? <clears throat> yes. And they only survived because you told they, he got money out of everywhere. Mm -hmm. And in the uh, next couple of years, they continued doing business, but not in the name of the Medici, but they had like lots of front men's and front companies okay. that did business for them. And this is how they could like, you know, get back into the system and um, probably made more, more money than before. Wow. That's what I'm saying. So history repeats itself. A lot of big, big, big banking families that seemed like, you know, powerful as God himself. Just don't lend money to God. You know, went, went, went bankrupt in the end. So it happened over and over and over uh, in, in history. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is what I wanted to tell you. All right, let's okay. take a break. Let's take a break. And then... I tell you the most cool story about the Medici I found so far. You will freak out. Okay. This is a story of that has everything that you need in a good uh, Hollywood movie. It's a it's a a deadly fight between enemies that are brothers. <gasps> it involves poison chicken soup, lance fights, seductive women. Lan oh, lance fights, jousting. Lance, yeah. Jousting, mm -hmm. seductive women, slavery, and of course the Pope and the Emperor. Oh. <laughs> okay. Um, it's a bloody bloody war of Medici against Medici. Oh, a bit of Medici on Medici action. Yes. It's Alessandro mm. and Ippolito. Okay. And they are two bastard sons. <gasps> okay. Uh, who were the who was the father? I forgot. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to place them in there's so many Medici's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget all of the Medici names. Nobody can can get you know can you know keep it in mind. All of the Lorenzos and the, you whatever, whatever their names are, Giovannis and yeah. blah 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 blah. blah. Um, so um, Alessandro is the bastard son uh, of an African slave woman. So he was black. Um, did you know there was a black Medici? I bet not. Was it Alessandro il Moro? What is it, Moro Black? Black. No, no, no. It was Alessandro de' Medici yeah. in the end. And Ippolito. Ippolito's mother was uh, was um, a gentlewoman mm -hmm. in the service of one of the, I don't know, Medici families. Um, he later became, uh, becomes cardinal and um, they are struggling with each other for power and the good life. Yep. So what happened? What happened is like when it involves the Medici, usually a lot. Um, it involves wars, money, churches, kings, and in this instance, even emperors. And a pope. <laughs> of course, a pope. There's always a pope. There's always a pope. There are like four popes of the Medici. Are they? Yes. Can you name them? But I, I cannot, but I know you can. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Clement II, Leo X. Pope Pius the Fourth and Pope Leo the Eleventh. Okay, I go with um, the Pope that is around in fifteen twenty seven. It's Clemens. 
Clement Seven. Clement the Seventh. And at this time, Florence is still a republic. That means um, that it's governed by the people itself in a way. That means like they vote every two months who is in the who who will be the rulers at a the republic time. in scare quotes. Yes, yeah, scare quotes because I mean, every of those like you know wahlen. Uh, um, Votes, Votes uh, are rigged anyway. Mm -hmm. So anyway, it's still like powers can change. Mm -hmm. You know, the power structure can change a, a bit. Um, so Clemens is Pope and uh, he does his popey thing. So probably <laughs> having a lot of wine out um, sex with nuns and yeah. does some money, money 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 business on the side yeah. who knows um warmongering rumor mongering whoremongering whoremongering uh, probably um the big thing is that he is not on the same side as the most powerful ruler in europe at the time Uh, namely Karl V. Karl V is the ruler of the Roly Roman Empire German descent. He's also the ruler of Spain, Neapel, and the Netherlands. Uh -huh. um, uh, uh, also, uh, Karl V is in alliance with the King of France. And um, he, um, so Clemens V is, is, is against this this, this uh, um, emperor because he wants to prevent uh, Mil that Milano is the dominating force in Italy mm -hmm. because uh, Florence and Milano have a long standing history of um, conflict. Of conflict. Mm -hmm. It was always between the Republic of Milano and the Republic of Florence. Um, so um, Karl V decides those Was, Mil was Milan a republic? I thought it was a, a kingdom. No, it was under the, the, the under the guidance or under the um, what do you say? Um, Sicherheit of uh, the of protection of protection. Yeah, of Sforza family. Yeah, but also they were aligned to Karl V. Oh, okay, so they're under yeah. the protection the of. Protection. of uh, yeah. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. um okay. So, Karl V decides he can, yeah, what the fuck? Um, he marches against Rome um, to like get Clemens out of office, probably. <laughs> uh, uh, so the soldiers come, they uh, lay siege to the uh, city, they plunder and burn, and in the end win. Um, the Pope flees um, to the Engelsburg. Mm -hmm. into a geheim in a secret a secret um secret passageway mm -hmm. from the Vatican to the Engelsburg the famous Engelsburg that yeah. you know out of the Illuminati books and movies yeah, yeah. and he stays there hidden for seven months but he cannot cannot escape so in the end um they he has to pay a hefty ransom to get free And also, um, the Medici lose a lot of their North Italian uh, land holdings Ooh. to get him free. Um, also, at the same time, uh, as a result of this conflict, the Medici are losing Florence because of the because the other clans feel the power vacuum, they revolt, and they take back uh, the power. And Medici again. So have why, to why, leave did, why, why did? Charles V march against Clement? 
just because he, you know, I don't know, because he was, he was too powerful a pope and he did not agree, you know, with with the politics or whatever. Just maybe he doesn't have anything else to it do. It didn't have anything to do with Henry? No, no, no. Okay. Later. Okay. Don't spoil alert. Spoiler alert. Don't spoil alert everything. Okay. So the Medici are in a precarious situation. They just lost the power in Florence. They had to even leave Florence. They had they lost a lot of their lands in North Italy. Mm-hmm. They had to pay shitloads of money. On top of that, the main Medici line had no male offspring. <gasps> that kills them in the end, right at the end in the 1800s. Stop it. Okay. So the main line doesn't have anything, you know, to offer. And the um, thing is, there were other lines. There was the main line, there were sidelines of the Medici. And um, the sidelines were not, like, eligible to become the, the rulers of the Medici at this time. Um, <clears throat> also, people that worked, like, in middle management, that were kind of Medici by, like, second cousin once removed or something. A lot of them worked in middle management in like the banking mm-hmm. offices around the around Europe. They were also not eligible to become the leaders of the Medici. Huh. Um, also, um, when, they, when they are churchmen, they couldn't. So they had to find a solution. Um, and what they did at the time was a radical step. They found two male bastards uh-huh. from the Medici main line. Um, they, those were the two guys I named before. One is Ippolito, the son of a gentlewoman. Uh-huh. And the other one is Alessandro, the son of the black slave woman. Uh-huh. And so both of them are adopted as official, like full-time, 100% Medici heirs. Uh-huh. And passed into the main line to uh, t- uh, to uh, carry the Medici name and the fame forward. Otherwise, if this would not have happened, they would have to give, they, they would have, the money of the main line would have to be uh, given to all of the sidelines and they yeah, would not, did they not. did not want that. It's even said that uh, the both boys uh, may have grown up together. So you can imagine the whole Hollywood movie plot with like, they are riding horses. They are sitting in the kitchen, you know, They're playing together, playing together, stuff like that. Um, but um, in the end, it turned out that they had like a deadly, uh, uh, um, you know, that they plotted uh, deadly plots against each other and uh, fought each other. Um, Their father's name's Giuliano. Ah, you are such a <laughs> Google wizard. Okay. <laughs> What happens is that Ippolito um, is a little bit older, mm-hmm. and so he is the first one that, you know, uh, gets put to use. Um, he was originally um, thought that he would be the leader of the Medici, um, but um, because the Medici feared um, that with the Pope dying and stuff like that, they would lose their influence in the church, mm-hmm. he needs to become cardinal. And he is placed into the, you know, church machinery. Mm -hmm. He hates that. Curia. Yeah. He hates that. And I mean, that tells you everything you need to know about any bishop, pope, or churchman at the time. 
that some guy just gets to be a cardinal doesn't have doesn't have anything to do with having a calling from God or some shit, you know? No, no, no. It's a so political placement. It's a political placement. So Ippolito is cardinal. Um, then in year the year uh, 1529 comes around and shit is going to happen. Because remember, Karl V was against the Medici and mm -hmm. he marched against them and he destroyed them almost. Mm -hmm. But now Karl V needs them. Ah. Because. Money. No. No money. The aunt of Karl V. The aunt. The aunt mm -hmm. is married to another infamous ruler of Europe. Henry VIII. Ah. And as you remember from watching lots of TV or even from school, Henry VIII liked to uh, exchange his women on a monthly basis. <laughs> 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 And to do that, because there was not, no, not, no such thing as a divorce, he could either kill them mm -hmm. or get uh, the marriage annulled. To get the marriage annulled, he needed the Pope to be okay with that. Ah. So, um, Karl V needed the Pope, Clemens VII, mm. to stand against that. Oh, that Henry VIII could not do that, you yeah. know? Um, and in return, he promised the Medici that he get tries, he helps them to get Florence back. Yeah. And he also will install <laughs> Alessandro as the ruler. Right. So, Medici said, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. What it only took like a letter that saying the Pope saying your marriage cannot no, be annulled no, or yeah. something. <clears throat> okay, and then Karl V made good on his promise. Yeah, he um, laid a ten month siege 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 against Florence. Florence, mm -hmm. but at, at this time ruled by radical Republicans. Okay. Um, 30,000 people died. Oh, my God. So, it was like almost a third of the population back then. Holy shit. Um, and in 1530, Karl V and his soldiers won Florence back. Um, Alessandro, at this time, he was a young, very charming, charismatic uh, guy. Um, he traveled in the uh, entourage of Karl V. So for six months, they traveled to Europe, and they had a lot of interesting and, uh, I, I assume, very, um, I don't know, um, impressive, <laughs> impressive um, uh, uh, lands. What is it called? Not lands. Tournaments. Night tournaments? Yeah, tournaments. Tournaments? Yeah, like jousting. Jousting, um, yes. Yep. And Alessandro was the, was the guy. Right. So he was like, you know, he, he, he um, won a lot of those joustings yeah. and he was very well spoken, very good looking. And um, Carl, the, Carl V liked him like this, almost the same as, as his son, as mm -hmm. his son. So um, he like traveled to Europe. Everyone loved him, and then he got he gets back to Florence and starts to be um, a new Medici ruler. Um, um, <clears throat> at the same time, 
Ah, and also Carl V promises him that he can marry one of his daughters. Oh, okay. His daughter was at this time only eight years old, so he had to wait a little bit. A little, little bit. <laughs> But I mean, that shows you the importance, you know, the like because having Carl V as your father, father-in-law was in Europe at this time, you know, a big deal. Um, at the same time in Rome, Ippolito mm-hmm. Medici mm-hmm. is fuming. <gasps> fuming. Because he wanted to be the fucking ruler of fucking oh, Florence. That's what he was And not to be a fucking cardinal yeah. in like the Vatican and like, you know, okay. having only guys I'd around be him. Yes. Um, and this is where the conflict, you know, starts to get sh- shapes, mm-hmm. you know, into like a more deadly uh, form. Um, at this, Alessandro, finally, after six months traveling to Europe, comes into his new kingdom um, and the emp- uh, called Florence, <laughs> and the emperor um, the, um, says, um, from this time on, only ever Medici will rule this city and uh, it will no longer be a republic, but a da, da, duchery? Duchy. Da, a duchy, like a Herzogtum. Yep, a duchy. So they're going to be dukes. Dukes. Um, and this is the first time in history mm-hmm. that the Medici are no longer merchants or patrizia, mm-hmm. but they become royalty. Yeah, nobility. Nobility. Uh, exactly. And they stay nobility for the next 300 years. Um, <clears throat> okay. Um, so this is a very big change because Florence was, until this moment in time, a self-governed republic governed by the people. And now it changes into a... A duchy. Uh, like, like, like given by God, handed down by by birth mm-hmm. and no longer there are no longer um, votes you mm-hmm. know who rules the city um, of course Alessandro is only on paper the duke because on one side is the pope on the other side is the emperor and they both uh, let him only do what they want to do what's in their interest um, Alessandro doesn't, doesn't give a shit. He uh, is just there to explore finally the good life. So he is known to wear the most flamboyant silks, um, spends a lot of time with, with, with his horses, with his hounds and his uh, falcon. Fal- uh, falcons. Falcons. So he has um, he um, his household staff increases to 200 people. Where only where 26 only were dedicated to care for his hounds and his uh, falcon. Falks. Falcons. Falcons. <laughs> Birds. <laughs> Birds. <laughs> he only loves good food and he loves also women. Mm-hmm. It's legendary that he um, he uh, wants to have relations with any woman he sees. Also it doesn't matter if it's like a like a, a noble woman or if it's a woman from the street or it's even a nun. Maybe it's, when it's a nun, it's even more interesting for him. At the same time, he installs draconian rules uh, against his enemies. He um, is very, um, on the one hand, he is very generous to poor people. On the other hand, everyone that speaks out out against him gets, like, uh, tortured and thrown out of the city. 
Um, at the same time, as I said, Ippolito in Rome is not happy about that. Um, <clears throat> he's trying to um, forge alliances against Alessandro with other uh, former um, uh, powerful um, Florentine families. Mm. Um, how, um, for instance, one plot was um, they tried to um, blow Alessandro up at one night with uh, depositing black powder, barrels of black powder under the uh, palazzo of one of his female lovers. Didn't work. Um, the, uh, both sides have a lot of agents, secret networks, and Meuchel murder. I don't know the Meuchel murder is in English. It's like the assassins. Assassin, yeah, assassins mm -hmm. to try to kill each other. Um, but only one of them wins. Um, so at one time, Ippolito is served a chicken soup. Mm -hmm. It tastes a little bit funny. And they torture the poor guy who brought the chicken soup. And the, the, the guy uh, finally um, uh, admits that it's poisoned. Mm -hmm. But it's too late. Ippolito, <gasps> Ippolito dies two days later oh, no. of this poisoned chicken soup. And the church um, um, does not pursue this um, murder because if they would have in the in the open um, what do you say in the public forum uh, the public forum the, too many secrets and too many powerful rulers would have you know Man. would have been exposed um, anyway in the end Alessandro uh, uh, marries uh, the daughter of Karl V mm -hmm. because her name is Margarete because now she is 13 Okay. Yeah, old enough. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing is, his inner life, Alessandro's inner life, is um, deeply disturbed. You know, um, he on he tries to to hold on to the power so hard that he needs to um, show his show it on the outside by, for instance, um, building the uh, Fortezza de Basso. Mm -hmm. Do you know that? It's a it's a big ass fortress. Mm -hmm. It's like one hundred twenty thousand square meters. Huge. Um you could fit the the Florentine Dome fifteen times in it. So yeah. it's and it looks like like a Lego like a Lego fortress. It has like thick walls and it's like built to look as impressive as you can. What's it in Florence? In Florence, the outskirts of Florence. Mm -hmm. Um, so he builds that to mm -hmm. feel safe because he is so hunted, you know, from his inner demons um, that he feels he has to do that. Um, um, all of this, this is only a time span of seven years. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. A busy um, seven years. A busy seven years. Um, in the end... Um, it's a blip in history, yeah. especially for, you know, for Florence and for the Medici. Um, um, he comes in sneaky and then hard and then he goes out the same way mm -hmm. because um, one of his um, enemies, it's also called Lorenzo. <laughs> Everyone's called Lorenzo. Um, he murders him. <gasps> Um, probably not out of political reasons because he does not have any backings in yeah. Florence. Um, who, who's this Lorenzo? Some is he a, a Medici? No, he is. He could be a Medici. I'm not sure, but he is like a some kind of relative. Yeah. Um, um, Alessandro goes to Lorenzo's end to have sex, mm -hmm. and he does not wear a, 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 cat a, a, a cat hemp, <laughs> like you know his armor. Yeah. 
Chainmail. Chainmail, because for obvious reasons. Well, and I don't know. You could be into that. No, go on. <laughs> okay, he just goes there and then um, the uh, historians describe it as he goes there, he goes into the warm, uh, fire-lit room, mm -hmm. he lays down on the bed, awaiting things. For auntie to come. For auntie to come, not wearing his chainmail. And then he gets murdered with a knife in his throat. Oh. Yeah. The good thing is, all of all, he's dead. What to do now? They were the Ippolito and Alessandro, oh, were the only... only males from the, and they were even bastards from yeah. the main Medici line. The Medici have no other solution than to look at the sidelines that they did not want to look before. And on the sidelines of the Medici, they found Cosimo. Another Cosimo. Cosimo too. Yes. And he really is the... He is the one why we still know this family mm -hmm. in our days. Um, because he, he really makes Florence and the Medici great again. Um, he reigns for 37 years because he still reigns as a duke. Mm -hmm. Because they now are dukes. Yep. He reigns for 37 years. Um, and his sons uh, reign, and sons and grandsons and so on, reign until the 18th uh, century. And under his rule, um, Florence um, becomes a dynamic, agile uh, duchery. Duchy. Duchy, that's such a strange word. Um, uh, he and his uh, offspring, they uh, built the Uffizis, for mm -hmm. instance. They invited Galileo and other um, scientists and mathematicians to Florence, and they made Florence what we what we think about today when yep. we hear Florence. This this dynasty of Medici made it great again. Yes. Wow. This was my little. Medici story involved. I mean, can you imagine a black Medici? Did you know that? I no. mean, I didn't even know that there were slaves in Europe. Well, yeah, there were slaves. Yeah, but like, I did not know that. I, I didn't. Slaves from the Roman times. Yeah, but yeah, but the Roman times are long, long ago. I mean, this is like 14 something. Yeah, well, slavery everywhere. But they, you know, that was, it was interesting. I didn't, and also that they did not have any problems with that you know that's really, well really yeah good with the bastard stuff. children yeah. yeah so one of those italians now does does her her or his dna test mm -hmm. they may find in central african descent <laughs> well i'll tell you some interesting <laughs> facts about the medicis we said there were four popes uh -huh. there were also two queens there was catherine de medici became queen of france um She, yeah, she was queen consort at the time to Henry II. And then 50 years later, Marie de Medici became, also became queen of France after marrying Henry IV. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Galileo, who was a favorite of Cosimo II, mm -hmm. the one you mentioned. He dedicated the discovery of his four moons of Jupiter to the Medici family. Mm. He wanted to call the... He's discovery the Medician stars. Ooh. In 1614, the names Simon Marius had been chosen as the official name of the moons instead of Gal Galileo's Medician stars. Mm -hmm. And DNA test, George W. Bush. Come on. Is related to the Medicis. Cool. Yeah. Do you know how? Yes. <laughs> well, they... 
they died at the end of the, the Medici family. There were no male heirs. Mm-hmm. But Catherine de Medici had sons and genealogical charts show that George Bush is a, a, a descendant of her. Cool. Yeah. George W. Bush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. That's so cool. And I mean, the thing is that they only became, could, could like marry kings or queens and become kings or queens is because Henry VIII wanted to get rid yeah, of such Carl a random, V. random thing. You know, like the, his wife and then Carl V said, okay, um, I just help you. And um, Just because Henry VIII went, uh, yeah. woke up one morning and went, yeah. you know, I don't really like you anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. This is how it goes, you know, with just, like kings of godly descent. Yeah. Man. Yeah. 